Trinity Baptist Church. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gigashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Angel. I told you last week that my family is in a, a season of significant transition. We have three graduations in June, a wedding in July, moving two kids into college in August, and after that, we will be empty nesters. Um, and so there's a lot of change on the horizon for the Boyd family. For a lot of us, change is difficult because change inevitably means transition into something that's uncertain, right? I mean, when, we, when, when we're going to change and when things, changes are happening, we're not certain about what's on the other side of that. And often there's some apprehension, maybe some fear that goes along with that. And that we've all experienced those times in our lives. That's where we find Israel as they are standing on the banks of the Jordan looking across into Canaan. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, um, we're in chapter 3, which we looked at the first part of chapter 3 last week. And we're going through this series called Taking New Ground where we're walking through the book of Joshua. And we've seen what it, what it looks like or what it takes for us to take new ground in our lives spiritually. Um, we've seen that it takes courage. We've seen that it takes understanding the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, following the Word of God. We've seen that it takes risk-taking faith. This morning, we are going to discover something else that I think is critical for us if we're going to take new ground in our lives spiritually. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Joshua chapter 3. Now, last week, as we looked at the first part of this chapter, we saw that in order for us to take new ground in our lives, in order for us to take new ground as, as a community of faith um, for the cause of Christ in New York, 
there are three things that we need to, that we need to do. We, we have to follow after the, the leading presence of God. We have to dedicate ourselves to the purpose of God, which means consecrating ourselves, setting ourselves apart for that. And it means that we have to step into the promise. We, we have to get our feet wet. We have to trust that, that God is going to do what He's promised to do, and we have to step into it even when we don't see it. This morning, there's, there's another uh, piece of this chapter that is, is critical for us. Here's the scene. Israel is a nation in transition, right? They are about to embark upon an adventure that, that none of them can fully appreciate what's ahead. And the transition from the wilderness into Canaan is not going to be easy. There, um, there are battles to be fought. There's enemy on the other side. There's walled cities. It's not going to be easy. But they have been called to take this new ground. So Joshua tells them in verses 3 and 4 to follow the ark of the Lord because they've never been this way before. So they come to the edge of the Jordan, which is this raging river at flood stage. Joshua tells the priests to go and stand in the water and that when they do that, the water will stop flowing. And he tells the people then to follow after the priests. Do you think there's some apprehension on the part of the nation? Put, um, put yourself in the place of the priest for a minute. You've been given the instruction, I want you to go and walk into the water. Okay? This water, this thing, this river is at flood stage. And you're supposed to just go and walk into the water. And then, as a nation, you hear Joshua say, oh, and you guys, um, after the priests go in, you follow after them. Do you think the priests are feeling a little apprehensive? A little, a little fearful? Do you think the people are a little nervous? Yeah. Um, so I want you to notice what Joshua does in order to help the people focus on what they need to focus on. Verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the, the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth... Set foot in the Jordan, its waters downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Question, where was Joshua trying to get the people to focus? On God. Don't look at the water. Don't worry about the enemy 
focus on the Lord and what he will do. Joshua doesn't say, hey, everybody, follow me. He says, follow the Lord. The Lord's going to give you victory over the enemy. The Lord is going to lead you into the water. The Lord will enable us. Joshua has them focus on the Lord. Notice the terms that he uses in pointing to God. In verse 9, he says, the Lord your God. The significance of that is he's, he's helping them to appreciate the relationship that's there. This is not any God. This is your God. This is the God who knows you, the God who loves you. This is the God you are in relationship with. Then in verses, verse 10, he says he is the living God. And in verses 11 and 13, he says he is the Lord of all the earth. What Joshua is reminding the people of is that they are in relationship with a God who is alive. Not like the, the dead idols of the pagan nations that, that they're going to encounter. And not only is this God alive... But this God is the Lord of all the earth. So he is able to go wherever he pleases to go and do whatever he pleases to do with the forces of nature. Joshua is telling the people, look, I know we've got a raging river in front of us. I know we've got enemies on the other side. But God is going with us. God is going before us. God is going to give us, he's going to, Help us pass this impassable river. He's going to help us conquer our enemies. That's where Joshua focuses them. So he explains to the people what God is going to do. As soon as the priests walked into the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant, um, the people were to follow the priests. Now, remember from last week, from verse 3, remember what Joshua said? He said, keep your eyes on the ark of the Lord, right? Follow the ark. That's important. Follow the ark. And then he orders each tribe to appoint one man for a responsibility that we'll look at next week in chapter 4. The point is that God was going before and God was going to open a way for them. It struck me as I read these verses that, that God only gave the priest, He only gave Joshua, He only gave the people the information that they needed in order to step in faith in what He was calling them to do in the present. He didn't give them the whole picture. He just said... Here's, a lot, here's enough light for the next step. And often, I think we would all agree that God doesn't give us the whole picture. Right? He just gives us enough light, enough information for the next step. Why does He do that? Why won't He just lay it all out there? Because we'd mess it up. Um, 
Because he wants us to trust him with each step. He wants us to lean into him. He wants our faith to be in him, not in the plan. And as we step out in faith, he will accomplish in us what he has called us to do. Now in verses 14 through 17, we see how God fulfills this promise. Um, We're not going to read the verses, but we know that the Jordan's at flood stage. Um, We know that some commentators think it was up to a mile wide at this point, uh, at this time of the year. Uh, The the priests carrying the ark, they put their feet in the water, the, the, the river immediately stops flowing, and it, and it walls up, up, miles upstream at a, at a city called Adam. Uh, this was a miracle of God that God performed in response to the faith of the people, right? As I said last week, some of God's promises to us are, are conditional, They're conditional on us doing something first. And in order for God to stop the water, the priests had to step in. They had to get their feet wet. And we have to do the same. They were called to put one foot in front of the other in following after the Lord. This is a crossover time. This is, this is where Israel is transitioning from the wilderness. While it wasn't so great, it was what they knew, into the uncertainty of this uncharted territory called Canaan. This land of promise, this, this land of abundance. But it wasn't going to be easy. Now, you're probably sitting there thinking, Keith, this sounds like last week's sermon. It sounds like you're mailing it in, you're doing, doing the rehash. This is, this is not news. There is something about this that we need to really appreciate. There's this phrase in verse 17 that we need to think about. Verse 17, it says, The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. It says, The priests who carried the Ark stopped in the middle while the people passed by. Think about the significance of this. You've been called, you've been told, follow the ark, follow the ark. Keep your eyes on the ark. And you've been called to do this thing in taking new ground. And the ark goes before you and you see this miracle happen and you're following the ark and you're going, yes, the Lord's leading and I'm stepping in obedience and I'm seeing God do this great stuff. And then all of a sudden, the priests stop 
And you have to walk past them. And I can imagine if it's me, I'm looking over my shoulder to make sure the ark's still there. Right? As long as the visible presence of God is out in front of me, I've got confidence. And yeah, it's still scary, but I've got confidence because I see him. But now all of a sudden, I have to walk past him. And I have to walk another half mile where the Lord's not in front of me anymore. And I'm having a hard time seeing him now. And I'm looking around and, and I'm wondering if that water is going to start flowing again. And things are a little scarier. They're scarier now. But I got to keep going. Even though I am not feeling as secure, I have to keep walking. Um, Have you been there? Are you there right now? Where you have stepped out in faith, you followed the Lord in obedience, and you've seen Him do some amazing things, but now all of a sudden you don't see Him anymore. And His visible presence is not apparent to you. And you're starting to second guess, and all of a sudden you're beginning to have some crises of faith. Have you been there? I'm going to tell you something that pastors are not supposed to tell people. Okay? So let's keep it in here. (laughs) There have been a number of times in my life where I have had crises of faith. Where... I have not been able to see the visible presence of God at work in my situation and I began to question whether or not God was really there. I've had those seasons of crisis as I've stood in this role. There were a number of years ago um, there were a couple of men in our church within a span of, of just months, both young men. Uh, one had a young family, the other had a young wife, and, and God allowed them both to die. And I didn't get that. And it shook me. And I was saying, God... I don't understand why you would do that. I don't see you in this at all. Just a few years ago, there's a young couple in our church who love God and follow God with all their heart. And, and after nine months of pregnancy where every prenatal checkup was perfect, God allowed her to give birth to a stillborn baby. 
And I didn't get that. And it shook me. And I was, God, are you really here? What is going on with that? I have watched people in our church who have gone through the difficulty of of a divorce. Um, Some of you may be there. And they've had to walk past the ark and the visible presence of God was no longer out in front of them. But they had to keep going. Um, Some of you have had to endure the significant financial loss. And you've walked past the ark and and the visible presence of the Lord is no longer in front of you and, and you're wondering if God is in this. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have had... Uh, debilitating illness. Some of you have had crises in your families with your children or your spouse and you've walked past the ark and you've no longer been able to see the visible presence of God out in front of you. And it's in those times of crises of faith um, that we, we wonder, how, how do we keep going? How do you keep walking it out? Some of you are in, in one of those times right now. And if you're not there right now, you will be. What this text says to me, is that when I get to that place where I have to walk past the ark and the visible presence of the Lord is no longer in front of me, I have to keep reminding myself that He is the Lord my God and that He is the living God and that He is the Lord of all the earth. And that he will go with me through this Jordan, even if I don't see him. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus said, take heart, because I've overcome the world. Friends, in in those crossover times, those crossover experiences where where we're trying to take new ground because we know God has called us to, we know God has promised it to us, and we're stepping out in faith and we see His activity, and then all of a sudden we don't see Him anymore. It's in those times that we have to keep walking and we have to keep trusting and we have to keep putting one foot in front of the other believing that He will go with us even when we can't see Him. When you read the book of Hebrews there are a number of, of sections of, of Hebrews that talk 
about these people, these men and women of faith who who walked forward even when they they didn't see God, who who walked toward the promises of God even when they weren't being realized in their lives. You can read Hebrews 11 and, and it's just one person after the other who's having this experience. But there's this wonderful text in Hebrews chapter 6 where the writer is, is, is talking about Abraham and, and, and the fact that, that he was walking toward the promise of God and, and after he waited patiently for years. God, he, he was able to, to recognize or to receive the promise that God had for him. And then the, the writer says this. He says, um, he, he talks about the, the fact that, that God's faithfulness is ultimately demonstrated in, in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 19 of chapter 6, he says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It, in, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever. Friends, there are times when God has called us to something. He has made a promise to us and we're not seeing it. And like Abraham, we have to wait patiently and we have to keep looking to Jesus. We have to keep putting our trust that he has gone before us. He is our forerunner. And he has entered into um, the sanctuary of God. When we stand at the bank of the Jordan, when we are confronted and, and challenged with what is frightening, but we know that God has called us to cross over. We, we know that there are these areas in our lives spiritually that God has called us to move into. We know that there is this mission that God has given us as a church for, for this city. And we need to step into it. But we're just not sure how to get there. And we come to that place where His visible, visible presence is no longer leading us. We have to remember who he is and continue to walk forward in faith. And when we do that, we give God the opportunity to demonstrate his power and his care and his concern even when we don't see him. That was the confidence the Apostle Paul had. Paul had a number of times in his life when he hit these crossover moments. When he was following after God and, and then God seemed to disappear. And he had one of those crossover moments um, in, in 
he's writing this letter to the Philippians, and and he's, um, but he's writing from a Roman jail. And what's interesting about the book of Philippians is that it is a book filled with joy. Even though Paul's in jail. And Paul was a guy who loved his freedom. He loved to travel. He loved to be out there ministering. But now he's in jail and he's in chains. And and circumstantially, there was no visible presence of God in that. And yet Paul writes these words to the Philippians. He says, For I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the perspective that we need. And quite frankly, that's the confidence we can have. Whatever crossover experience you may be going through right now or whatever crossover experience might be in your future. Even when the visible presence of God is no longer leading, we can continue to trust and follow after the living God who is the Lord of all the earth And he knows each of us intimately. And even when we're in the midst of the river, with uncertainty all around, we can rejoice with the Apostle Paul who said to the Corinthians, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Let me pray for us. Lord, it's not really faith if we can see it. And your word connects faith and hope. And our hope is in you. And our faith is in you. And we hope for this abundant life that you've promised in Jesus. But Lord, what I... What I take away from this text this morning is that I'm not going to experience Canaan. I'm not going to get to experience that abundant life until I walk through those times of uncertainty. Until I continue to put my trust in you and continue to put one foot in front of the other, even when I don't see you. Lord, I pray that I pray that that would be true for all of us. And I, I know that there are a number of people here this morning who are going through those times of uncertainty. Or they, 
are having crises of faith. So I pray, Lord, that that you will give them the strength, that you will give them the grace to keep walking forward, even though they don't see you. And I pray, Lord, that as a church, we can do that. That in the challenges ahead, we will keep trusting you and following you for your name's sake.